Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends. Long time no see. I will be so honest. I am a little bit nervous because this is the first real episode I've recorded in about three months. The time I'm recording this, it's August 2023. Last time I sat down to record a real episode, it was May of 2023. And that's the longest I've gone without recording or really working on the podcast since I started back in 2018. And The break was great. The break was very necessary and we can talk more about that. But I also had to kind of come to grips with my confidence as a podcaster. I felt like I kind of lost my mojo for a little bit there. And a big part of me taking time off was regrouping and centering back in with myself and figuring that out, which we'll talk about. But first I have some really big announcements. First of all, this episode is the 200th episode of Balanced Black Girl, which is absolutely incredible to me. When I first started the show, I was thinking one episode at a time. I was just trying to make it to the next week. So to be here 200 episodes later is beyond and so exciting. And I'm so grateful that you all have stuck around with me for this long. 200 episodes is a lot of episodes. (laughs) So thank you for being here. And two, especially if you're watching this in video, you may see a new setup here. And I'm really excited to announce that Balanced Black Girl has officially joined the Dear Media family. So I have been producing the show independently for the last almost five years of its existence. And I'm so excited to be joining Dear Media. I just love how they are so creator focused, how they are female voice focused. So many of the podcasts that I love to listen to are on Dear Media. So having Balanced Black Girl join this organization is so exciting and a true like manifestation come true. Also, a lot of the burnout that I had experienced was from me being this person who was wearing all of these hats and doing all of these things. And I found that I was running into a lot of issues, trying to make the show as good as it can be, doing that on my own while balancing my job. And so working with Dear Media and their amazing team is just going to give me so much more space and bandwidth to show up and be a host and have support to make the show be as good as it can be. So... So, so excited to be here, to be a part of the Dear Media family. And it's just only going to mean amazing things for the show. And what better time to kick that off than the 200th episode. 
So the last time that I had a more deep dive solo episode was at the end of May. I did my life updates and living outside the box episode. And in three months, there have been a lot more additional updates. <laughs> so in that episode, I was talking about reflections from my 20s, how I wanted to apply those to my life now that I'm a few years into my 30s. And I've had a very jam-packed couple of months. In that episode, I also mentioned wanting to do some travel and that some areas of my life, particularly where I live, are up in the air. They're still up in the air, but I've spent the last three months doing a lot of just traveling and reflecting, and I haven't sit down to do a download with y'all about how that's gone. So we're going to do that today. And then I also got some questions from you all on Instagram that have been some of them very funny, also very thoughtful. And we're going to get into that too. So first life update, what's been going on for the past three months since we last sat down and since I did my last life update episode. So I've been nomading. If you've been following me for a while, then you know that I was born and raised in Seattle, lived in Seattle until I was 30, moved to LA, have been in LA for the last four years, but decided to take some time a few months ago to travel and nomad for a lot of reasons. One, I really wanted to experience being in different places. My 20s were really, really hard because I felt super stagnant and I felt super still. And while there are so many things that I love about being home, home being Seattle and my people there, I don't feel like that environment is conducive to the full expression of who I am and to my growth. And so when I moved to LA, it did unlock these parts of me, this creativity, this social side, this outgoing side that I didn't know I had because I was in a new environment. And after a few years of that, I wondered, okay, well, if I go to other new environments, what else can I learn about myself? And that's a big part of what really inspired that travel. So Back in May, I put my stuff in storage and I've been traveling ever since. My first stop was a Euro trip that I did throughout the month of June. I went to Paris, I spent some time in the south of France, and then I spent some time in London before going back home to Seattle. And that trip was a absolute whirlwind. I felt like my head was spinning for the three and a half, four weeks that I was gone. It was incredible. It was also terrifying. (laughs) And I learned so much about myself being in foreign countries, in different environments, completely by myself. Starting off in Paris, I have to say, chef's kiss. I loved it. I loved Paris. It has been my favorite place that I've gone so far. I just feel like the energy of that city and the people and just the leisurely pace of it, I absolutely loved. All throughout Paris, I felt like people were just luxuriating. The meals were slower. People would just be sitting outside chatting with friends, normal for it to take hours to finish a meal. Anytime I went out and I was eating solo, I would connect with somebody and make a new friend and people were just so open there in ways that I had never experienced, especially being from the West Coast. If you're from (laughs) or have spent time in the West Coast, 
particularly in the U.S., it's just not that way. People are a lot more to themselves and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you are putting yourself out there to try to meet people, it's really hard to do that in environments where people are really closed off. And in Paris, I felt like nobody was closed off. People were just so open and friendly. I know some people have different experiences in Paris, especially as an American, but my experience was really, really positive. And so while I was there, I just felt like I was a magical little fairy floating around the city, (laughs) making new friends every day and just walking and exploring. And I didn't really have a whole lot of plans. I was just kind of going off of vibes, which is my favorite way to be. And I just felt super at ease and peaceful and magnetic there in ways I had never felt before. And it was just a really beautiful experience. So after spending a bit of time in Paris, I went down to the south of France because I really wanted to go to the Beyonce concert. You know, we love we love Beyonce here. So I went to the Beyonce concert in Marseille. And since I was already down there, I was like, well, I'm just going to spend some time exploring around the south of France. So I spent a few days in Marseille and I spent a few days in Nice and it was really, really beautiful to see the different parts of the country. All of those cities had a completely different vibe. But I will say that even still, everywhere I went, I did have that same feeling of magneticism and everyone I met was still really open. In Marseille, I'd be sitting at a restaurant eating and would strike up a conversation with somebody or at the Beyonce concert, I would talk to people about where they're from and what brought them there. And there was just this sense of openness that I did experience everywhere in France, even though the different energies of the cities did kind of have their own feel to them. I would say Nice was fine. I think at that point, I was also just starting to get a little bit tired of traveling. My time in Nice was the shortest. I didn't do as much there as I did in other cities. So I think by the time I got there, I spent one full day in Nice and that was kind of it. I think Nice as a solo traveler maybe wasn't the move. I think going there with friends would be a little bit better. So, you know, Nice, it was like great gowns, beautiful gowns. It was cute. But I, from a cultural perspective, preferred either Marseille or Paris. I just felt like culturally they did a little bit more for me. So after touring around the south of France, I went back to Paris for one more weekend because I just could not, (laughs) could not get enough. And I had some funny experiences with people in Paris when I went back. So the first week that I was in Paris, I basically just would explore a lot during the day. I didn't really do much in terms of nightlife or going out. So that last weekend that I was in Paris, I was trying to go out. I was trying to see what Paris nightlife had to offer, which going out to bars and clubs by yourself anywhere is always kind of a unique experience, but especially doing that in a foreign country is, I don't know. I think I was just feeling really adventurous. (laughs) And even then I still met really cool people did experience a bit of a language barrier, but I had a really good time just going out to these bars in Paris by myself. Lots of Afro beats. It was really fun. I also met some people that I've since like connected with on social media and stayed in touch with. And it was just a really cute send off from my time in France. So after my time in France, I went to London and you know, London just wasn't it for me, friends. It just, it wasn't it. I tried to make London happen for me and it just wasn't happening. But I do think a lot of that was 
my fault. So as I mentioned, when I was in France, I didn't have a lot of firm plans. I was just kind of going off of vibes, going off of where the wind takes me because I'm not a very good planner when it comes to events and making plans and doing things, planning trips. It actually really stresses me out and I prefer to just go and flow and check things out and not be tied down to a firm plan. And I think that that worked really well in France. I do not think that that works very well in London. I think London is a place you need to go and you need to have a plan. You need to know where you're going, when you need to have all of that mapped out. So because that's not really my travel style, I ran into a bit of a roadblock there and I take that L. I definitely should have done more planning before heading there. The other thing is like, as I mentioned, I experienced just this warmth and friendliness from people in France that I did not experience in London. And again, that's no shade to London, but socially it did feel a bit more American, as I had mentioned, being from the West Coast, particularly the Pacific Northwest, where people are very to themselves and they're not necessarily going to extend that kindness to you. It very much felt like I was back home in Seattle and I was like, okay, well, if I just want to be ignored (laughs) or say hello to people and have them look at me like I'm crazy, I could do that at home. I I don't know if I needed to cross the pond to do that. So from a social perspective, I didn't necessarily feel like I connected as well in London. Although the highlights where I did get to meet some incredible Balanced Black Girl listeners in London, because we do have a really great listener base there. So I did go to lunch with some of our amazing listeners and that was phenomenal. Like getting to connect with them was so great. And they They did show me that people in London can be friendly if there is a little bit of familiarity there. Now, the other thing I will give London, one, music taste, great. Everywhere you go, they were going to be playing some jams. There was going to be some R&B. There was going to be some good music that set the mood, which as a big music girl, I did appreciate that. The other thing I will say is that British humor is so funny to me. They are so funny. It's so sarcastic and it's dry and it's just chef's kiss. It is It is exactly what I find hilarious. So even though nobody talked to me, the humor that I overheard of people talking amongst themselves was very funny. It was very pleasing to me. I, I would love to be in on that next time, but you know, lesson learned. I will also say that I got super inspired in London by style. So part of the time while I was staying there, I was staying in Notting Hill just off of Portobello Road, which Portobello Road is a pretty famous road in London where they have this big market that is there a few days a week. So it's like a farmer's market and it's a flea market and there's some incredible shops and thrifting there. And so I would walk through this market each day that it was open while I was there and I would just get these really great pieces and these cool vintage finds and these clothes. I ended up having to get an entire separate suitcase because I did a little too much, a little too much shopping. But I got super inspired to be a little bit more creative with my own style, to try things, to style things a little bit differently. So I will say the fashion in London also eats. I would go back to London. I would not go back by myself and I would not go back without a plan, but I would go back with friends to shop and have a little bit more structure there. You hear that sound? It's the sound of a sale you're missing out on because you're not selling on Shopify. And what does it sound like with Shopify? Yeah, much better. Start selling with Shopify today. 
Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. If there's anything I've learned being an entrepreneur over several years, it's that we don't have to do everything ourselves. We don't have to build websites from scratch. We don't have to build e-commerce platforms from scratch. There are so many incredible tools that can help us grow our businesses and Shopify is one of them. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and it's truly a global force, powering companies like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. And this is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash balanced black girl, all one word and lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash balanced black girl to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash balanced black girl for a $1 per month trial, which is an incredible offer. So again, go to shopify.com slash balanced black girl today. So that was the first leg of my solo travels. After I finished that, I need to take a little bit of a break because that full month on the road, in foreign countries, I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down a little bit. So in July, I went back to Seattle to spend time with family, which was really good. I got to spend time with a lot of my friends there, my family. And that was a good kind of break and recharge point. I went on a little girls trip vacation with some of my girlfriends from college. And so July was definitely more about recharging. And at that point, I had definitely been feeling the burnout. Because even when I was in Europe, I was still going a million miles a minute. I was documenting everything. I was posting everything on social media. And during that time, my engagement was through the roof. I think people were just really excited to see what I was up to. But that level of not only engagement, but just feeling like people were watching me and expecting things of me. And I was getting kind of some crazy DMs at that time of just people saying all kinds of stuff to me. It got to be a little bit much. And so by the time I came back from Europe, the idea of even creating, podcasting, any of that, I felt like I couldn't even do it because I was so suffocated by feeling like I was performing for social media and it really overwhelmed me. And that was where a lot of my burnout came from. Now it had been building before then because my last few months in LA were also just 
crazy. I was recording a bunch for the podcast so that things would go live while I was gone. And the way that I was recording the podcast then was really different than the way I had done it before. So for the first several years of the podcast, I always recorded at home. I recorded remotely on my computer. I didn't have video. It would only be audio. And I had some really great workflows set up that made that process super streamlined and super efficient. And that was how I was always able to balance running the podcast, working my nine to five and having a life because I had great systems, well-oiled machine. And that was really great when I started podcasting in 2018, when it was an audio only medium and situation. Now in 2023, that's not how podcasting works anymore. Video is an expectation. And because I didn't have video for so long, it kind of hurt my show and I felt really behind. I was getting asked every single week, when are you going to put episodes on YouTube? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? So having good quality video completely threw off my workflow. It was also very, very expensive. So in the spring before I left LA, I was in the studio a ton. I was coordinating all of these interviews and doing so for an in-person on-camera situation just took a lot more out of me. So I had been doing that for months, immediately went to Europe where I was documenting everything, sharing everything, having so much conversation on social media, working, doing all of this stuff that the culmination of all of that super burned me out. So by the time I got back from Europe, I didn't feel refreshed. I didn't feel renewed. I actually felt more burned out than ever because I just had this wild, busy, jam-packed couple of months. So by July, I was like, (laughs) uncle, like white flag, I need to chill out from all of this. And so that was when I decided to take a step back from the podcast. I took a bit of a step back from social media. I did close my DMs on Instagram, which they are still closed. And part of me feels bad about that because I don't want to seem uppity or like I'm cutting off communication from me. But I just needed to set a little bit of a boundary so that I could take better care of myself. And so July was a really beautiful time to recharge, relax, tap back into my creativity a bit and to learn how to live for myself. Because I realized that I actually have not been living for myself for a very long time. And I thought that I was because it's like I'm a single woman. So it's not like I'm taking care of a partner. I don't have kids. I'm not a caregiver. You'd think that my life is just all about me and all I do is focus on myself. And that actually could not be further from the truth, especially as a content creator. When it came to social media, when it came to the podcast, it was all about other people. What will the audience like? What will make the guests happy? People want to come on and I feel like I I have to let them on if they want to talk about their book or they want to talk about this or they want to talk about that. With my family, I realized that I have had a lot of boundary issues and even experienced some enmeshment and that's really affected me for most of my life and I'm just now beginning to understand and unpack that. And so I actually realized even though I may not be a caregiver or I may not have a partner, I have been living for other people, thousands of other people, including my audience, my family, my friends, work, et cetera. And July was that time for me to really hit time out on all of that and to focus more on what it is that I want. What do I like? What do I want to create? What lights me up? And so that has been helping with some of my feelings of burnout. I wouldn't say that I'm completely over it, but I do feel a lot better. I'm obviously well enough to be here today. I was excited to get back to recording, but at the end of June, I was like, I don't know if I can at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> will the podcast exist? I didn't know at that time. So having the month of July to myself to feel creative again, to explore more of what I wanted was a really, really helpful time. So after July, we got into August and I went to New York and have been hanging out in New York for the past couple of weeks. I always wanted to live in New York in my 20s and I just never did, which is still one of my biggest regrets. And so I had a friend who was looking for somebody to look after her apartment while she was away and I've been staying there and have had a really cute New York minute. Again, I went to New York and just hit the ground running and have been doing all of the things there for the past few weeks, having a true New York season and experience. But what I have appreciated about being in New York is that I was able to fall back into a routine because in June, traveling around Europe, zero routine. July, when I was at home staying with my family, also not really a routine. I also just didn't have much personal space. You know, anytime you go back home with your family, you kind of know how that goes. So having personal space again, an apartment, even if it's not technically mine, you know, a Trader Joe's up the street, <laughs> access to take some workout classes and just chill. I hadn't had that since I left LA back in May. So just having a little bit of normalcy and a little bit of a routine, even if it was in a different setting, was super, super helpful. So I've just been kicking it in New York for the past few weeks and I've been having a really good time. I have a lot of friends there, so I've gotten to see some of them explore the new city. Now, the thing about New York though, is that it is very easy to get caught up in doing something or going to some event or thing every single day, which the first week that I was there, I definitely did. And I had to simmer all the way down because every night I was going out, I was going to an event, I was going on a date, I was going to all sorts of stuff. And it was just, <laughs> I had to build in some breaks in my own schedule to be like, girl, go to bed <laughs> because you're going to make yourself sick. You got to actually chill out. You're supposed to still be healing from burnout. And I can talk a little bit more about that because I did get some great questions about that in the Q&A. But that's just what I've been doing as of late is exploring New York, having some fun there. And I don't really know what's next or where I'm going to end up or what's going to happen in the long term. But I'm really, really enjoying tapping into my creativity, being in different spaces and figuring out what each of those different spaces has to teach me. So that is my long-winded life update, the bit more thorough explanation of what I have been doing over the past three months. On Instagram, I posted on my stories asking for questions that you wanted me to answer while we caught up and I got some really wonderful, thoughtful questions. So thank you so much to everybody who submitted. Those questions were broken up into three main categories. One was travel and solo travel. The other category was burnout. And then the last was more personal questions. So let's get into the Q and A. Starting off with the travel questions, particularly solo travel questions. The first one is how does solo travel transform you in your younger years versus now? The person who asked this mentioned that in their early 20s, it gave them confidence. And now that they're almost 30, it gives them calm and peace. So I actually never solo traveled until this year, until when I went to Europe. That was my first experience solo traveling. And I was 
33. I'd never really done it before. I had been on trips alone, but they were usually work trips. It was never solo travel for leisure. So I will say I am not a solo travel expert. I guess I've really only done it for one trip. (laughs) So I'm certainly not an expert there. But what I will say is I do think solo travel gave me confidence to move throughout different spaces without feeling like I needed to shrink myself. I don't know how I would have felt about it in my 20s. I do think in my 20s, I was a bit more timid and I was a bit more codependent on other people. I was usually always surrounded by people, whether that was roommates or boyfriends or the friends that I would go out with every weekend or coworkers that I had that I don't think that even traveling solo or doing anything solo really occurred to me in my 20s versus in my 30s. I don't want waiting around for other people to be available or to make time or whatever to hold me back from doing the things that I want to do. And so I think for me, being willing to go the places I want to go and do the things I want to do, regardless of who's going to be there or who's not, has given me a real sense of confidence. And I'm grateful to be getting at this point in my life because in my 20s, I did feel like I missed out on a lot. I stayed in my hometown, I mean, my office that I worked in for most of my 20s was literally two blocks from my high school. And I felt so suffocated and kind of like the walls were caving in. And I didn't realize that I had options to go other places and to do other things because nobody else in my life really did that. And they didn't do that for themselves. Any of my friends that maybe moved or went to different states, they did it because they were doing it for a partner, because they were doing it for a job. But I'd never seen anybody make changes in their lives for themselves. And I realized that I have to be that own example. Sometimes if you don't see other people doing the things that you want to do, you have to be the blueprint for that. So that was what I kind of realized, making those changes, getting out of that rut in my 20s and being so embracing of change and willingness to do things on my own in my 30s. So it doesn't really answer your question because I didn't solo travel in my 20s and I couldn't really answer the question, but that's what I think. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The next question, what has surprised you the most so far about solo travel and being in different places? Okay, a couple of things. One, I realized that I'm so much more flexible than I thought. And all of that super routine stuff that I was doing was fake. (laughs) That I am a fake 
type A person. I'm actually not type A at all. I, I don't like doing the same things over and over. I don't like being in those super strict routines. For me, I was for a long time. And I think I did that because it was a coping mechanism and because I just had a really full plate that it was the only way that I could get things done. But I actually realized that I do well in changing environments and that I kind of like being in environments that are changing because it's fun and it's dynamic and it gives me something to stretch into and some room to grow and groove. So it surprised me that I'm a fake, I'm fake type A. <laughs> I'm, I'm fake routine oriented. You know, I haven't had the weekly resets that I used to do and the map out every detail on my calendar in a long time because I, it just hasn't really made sense for everywhere I've been. And I've been fine. I've been chilling. I've actually enjoyed loosening up a little bit. So it showed me that I'm a lot more flexible than I thought. I also think that it has shown me that my love language is quality time. For a really long time, I thought that my love language was words of affirmation. And I realized that my desire for words of affirmation was kind of a trauma response of just wanting reassurance from people and wanting to feel claimed out loud. But what actually makes me feel loved and nurtured and supported is quality time. And there were a lot of points in my trip where I was like, man, I really wish that I was experiencing this with other people. I wish I had people to share this experience with. And it's made me really want to prioritize that in my relationships and in my friendships, spending quality time and wanting to have time for people who have time for me. So those are probably the two biggest things. One, that I'm not as rigid <laughs> and type A as I thought I was. Uh, and two, that quality time is really important to me. Next question, your thoughts on NYC, the good, bad, and ugly. So I wouldn't say that I have bad and ugly. I think a strength that I have learned that I have is an ability to have an open mind about everywhere that I go. I'm not going to New York expecting it to be LA. I didn't come to LA expecting it to be Seattle. I didn't go to Paris expecting it to be London. I really like walking into cities with an open mind, not having preconceived notions about how it should be and letting that space show me what it has to show me. So immersing myself in how that place is instead of feeling like it needs to be like somewhere else or it needs to be like something else that I'm familiar with. And so in spending time in New York, I feel like I've just wanted to see New York for what it is. And there are some really great parts about it. Like in New York, it's so big. There's anything that you want to do or see or be a part of, you can do. It's so creative and there's so many events and that's really cool. And there are also some parts where it's like, ooh, I don't love like seeing this dead rat when I'm trying to just step outside of the apartment building. Like that's not cute. <laughs> or the subway is a little hot. It's a little dirty. But also when you're in New York, that's part of the experience. So I don't necessarily think that things like that are bad or ugly. I think it's just part of the total experience. But I've had a lot of fun and I've been really enjoying it. So I don't know. I, I think I see it all as neutral and I'm just trying to take all of it in. And that's how I felt about all of the cities that I've been to, even though like London wasn't my favorite. I still don't think it's bad. I think that it just like isn't a space that I feel super excited or activated by, but that's what it has to offer. And I was willing to get what it had to offer. 
So the next question, how did you decide where you're traveling? Any tips on solo traveling, please? So I decided where I was going to travel just based off of places that I've always really wanted to go and hadn't been. So I have always been super interested in Paris in France from a young age. I took French when I was in school. That was just the language that I gravitated towards. And I've always gravitated towards French culture. I really wanted to study abroad there in college, but it just financially wasn't feasible for me. It was just a place that I always wanted to go. And so when I decided that I was going to take some time to travel, it was more like, where do I want to be that I've always wanted to be? And it was France. I wanted to spend some time there. I was also super inspired by a couple of other Black women creators, Chrissy Rutherford. I want to say it was last year she did her summer in London that turned into like six months in London. For me, that wasn't really feasible, but she left New York, went to London. She intended to just go there for the summer. And I think she spent like six months there and I followed her experience and I was just so inspired by that. And it really inspired me to do my own version of that. I think she was drawn to London because that was somewhere that she always wanted to go and live and spend time there. And so I did kind of my abbreviated version of that that worked for me, for my budget, for my life, mostly in France, because that's just where I always wanted to go. Diana May is another great creator who did something similar and spent some time in London earlier this year, although currently she's in Paris and I'm very, she's making me want to go back following all of her content. And so seeing those other women, particularly black women, just pick up and try something and go to new spaces really encouraged me to do the same with places that I was really interested in. So I'd always really wanted to go to France. That's why I spent a bulk of the month of June there. I ended up going to London just because since I was in Europe, I figured it'd be cool to check it out. I will say it wasn't ever a place where I thought, oh, I really want to go here. But I thought, okay, yeah, since I'm over here, I'll check it out. And now that I'm saying that out loud, that probably also impacted my experience there. (laughs) The fact that I was kind of ambivalent about it and thought, oh, might as well. But it wasn't really a place that I was like dying to go. Also, maybe could explain why I felt a little bit of a disconnection to it. And then for New York, I really wanted to do a New York season in my 20s. I mean, I feel like most millennials, I was obsessed with The Devil Wears Prada and wanted to work at a fashion magazine in New York at some point in my life and didn't do it in my 20s. And, you know, my friend was looking for somebody to look after her apartment and it just like worked out with my schedule. So honestly, it was just going to places that I always wanted to go and having the opportunity to do so. As far as tips for solo travel, I would say from a safety perspective, it really helps to share your itinerary with someone you trust. So for all of the hotels that I was booked at or for my Airbnbs, my itinerary, I shared you know my whole itinerary with my mom so that she would know exactly where I was staying and when. I also think if you're a woman traveling solo and you wanna stay safe, I would be really mindful of your alcohol consumption. I'm not a big drinker, so that wasn't a thing for me, but if you're in an unfamiliar place, really making sure that you can be on top of your judgment calls so that you're not impaired and you can be aware of where you're going and just keep your head 
on a swivel no matter where you go and really prioritize your safety in that way. I do think it does help to maybe be a little bit better of a planner than I was. And I did have some plans. I didn't just fully show up to these foreign countries with no idea. I had some general plans of things that I wanted to do. But TikTok has been a great resource for travel and finding places. I have folders saved on my TikTok account of all the different cities that I was going to go to. And I would look for restaurants that I wanted to try or activities or events. And I would use TikTok to plan because people share some really great information there. So I would really recommend checking out TikTok as you're planning to find places to go, to find restaurants, to find events, because people are really generous with their information there. And with video content, you can scope it out. You can get the vibe. You can see what's really happening there. And also don't sleep on blogs. A lot of my hotel plans and things like that, I found on different blogs where people were talking about their time abroad. And I found really great like boutique hotels. So using Pinterest to search for things will help you find really good blog content where you can find in-depth itineraries. And for some of my trips, I honestly just copied other people's itineraries from their blogs, stayed at the hotels that they stayed at. And it was really, really easy for planning. And that was super helpful. But I think with solo travel, it helps to just go in with an open mind, go in with an open heart, take the experience for what it is and use that time to really pour into yourself. Also, while I was gone, particularly in Europe, I had a lot of people ask about how did solo travel transform you? Was it this super transformative experience? And to be honest, I don't think it was, but I think that it can be depending on who you are. So for me, I'm somebody who already spends a lot of time alone. I tend to be pretty independent. I lived alone for the last several years. And so for me, traveling solo didn't feel that different than my day to day. If you're somebody who's pretty independent, who does a lot of things on your own anyway, maybe you live alone, you're just on your own vibe. Solo travel is going to feel like you're still doing your own thing. You're just doing it in a different place. And so I didn't have these major like earth moving epiphanies while I was solo traveling because honestly, being alone in Paris <laughs> didn't feel that different than being alone in LA or that different than being alone in New York if you're used to already being alone. Now, where I do think solo travel can be really transformative is if you are somebody who is a bit more used to doing everything with other people. So if you have never lived alone, if you find yourself maybe being a little bit more codependent, and I say that with love, like no shade, it's, it's a real thing. I think in my 20s, I was a bit more that way. And then my late 20s to 30s, I released that a little bit. So I get it. But if you are always in a relationship or always with friends or always doing things with other people and don't ever really have time to just sit with yourself, then I think if you go travel somewhere alone, it probably is going to rock your world a little bit in a really good way because you'll be able to hear your own thoughts. You'll be able to see how you react to certain things in different environments. And I do think that it's an opportunity for you to get to know yourself a little bit better. But if you're kind of like me and you're always alone and you already know yourself and you already hear your own thoughts, you're just going to be hearing your own thoughts in another place, which is still great. And you can still learn and grow, but I don't think it's going to be as dramatic as people make it out to be, at least in my experience. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So we're going to move on to burnout questions because I did have quite a situation with burnout that I'm still working through. Someone said, I like that you're at a slower pace. What shifted for you? So what's interesting is I don't actually feel like I've been at a slower pace. I feel like I've still been doing just as many things. I've just been doing more of what I wanted (laughs) and I've been doing more things for me and because I want to, not because other people want me to or based off of other people's expectations. And I think that that's a big part of what was burning me out. Wasn't necessarily that I was doing so much, but it's that I was doing things to please other people. So I haven't necessarily slowed down my pace, but I've just been doing things that appeal to me and that feel good to me and feel fun and nourishing and creative for me. So it hasn't been slower, but it's been different. It's been moving in a different direction. And honestly, it's been really good. I think I felt really creative. I've felt very inspired in different ways. I think I feel motivated again. I have started really looking at my relationship with ambition. And that's something that I'm kind of unpacking is what does it mean to as a formerly ambitious person, like not see ambition as the end all be all anymore. And can we still have fruitful, fulfilling lives if we kind of abandon ambition? I don't know. It's something that I'm thinking about, but as I get more thoughts around that, I will absolutely come back to it on the podcast. So yeah, I I don't think I've been moving at a slower pace, but I think I've been learning how to set better boundaries so that I am moving in directions that feel good to me and that I'm less worried about the expectations of other people. Next burnout question, how was the time off? What did you learn about yourself? Honestly, the time off, the time off from podcasting, it was good. (laughs) I've I've been chilling. There were definitely parts of podcasting that I missed while I was away from it, but I also really enjoyed having Tuesdays roll around and not feel stressed out about did the episode come out and do people like it and how many listens is it getting and are the sponsors happy and are they getting enough people using the code and is there is the social media post going to go up and is this and is that it you know it every Tuesday feeling that way for like five years, I realized kind of wore me down in some ways. And so having a little bit of a break from that while I work on the back end and start bringing on help to ease some of that anxiety for me when I got back to it has been really, really nice. In terms of what I learned about myself, I learned that I put a lot of pressure on myself 
I focus a lot on numbers. I focus a lot on external measures of success. I also learned that I can be really easily discouraged at times. And so that's something that I really want to reflect on. But something else that I learned about myself that I think is a positive is I appreciate my own ability to walk away from situations that are not serving me, like whether it is a job, whether it's a man, whether it's content or a medium. If I feel like I'm not being valued or I'm being used or I'm being taken advantage of or something's not sitting right, like I will hit timeout. I will hit pause. I will walk away and I won't feel away about it. And I realized that that's a quality that I have that I admire about myself. And that doesn't mean that anytime I hit a speed bump or a point of conflict that I just walk away from something. But if it's really clear and I feel in my gut that something's off and that it's not right, I learned that I am very good at knowing how to pivot or pause or leave a situation that isn't working for me, at least now at this point in my life. And I think that that's a quality that I'm really proud of. Okay. And then the last burnout question, if you're comfortable, how your burnout is and what's been helping. So I definitely don't feel as burned out as I felt in May, June. I think part of what helped is just not being in such a whirlwind of transition. Like back in May, I recorded like eight podcast episodes on camera which is just a whole different skill set, different set of energy that I'm still getting used to. I had oral surgery. So like, you know, I had to get some stuff fixed in my face. My face swelled up. I was in a ton of pain. I was moving and putting all my stuff in storage and, you know, kind of moving back to Seattle before I was traveling. And that was really stressful. And That was a big part of what burned me out. And I think not being in the middle of that cyclone anymore helped. And then as I mentioned earlier, just doing more things for myself. So a lot of what I've been sharing on social media, I haven't shared it with the intention of getting more views or will people like it? I've shared it because I liked it. And honestly, some of it has performed well and some of it hasn't. Some of it's kind of flopped and I don't really care because I like it. (laughs) I enjoy it. And it's been more fun to create things that I enjoy without worrying about what other people think of it. And I think moving in that way has made the creation and the work less anxiety and burnout inducing. I still think that I could be getting more rest. And so that's something that I definitely want to work on. And as summer winds down, I think that that will be a little bit easier, but I'm feeling a lot better than I was a few months ago. And I think part of that was just learning how to worry less about what other people thought about what I was putting into the world. And then just kind of moving through those seasons that were a bit of a whirlwind. Okay. Last category, personal questions. (laughs) This first one is funny. Do you plan to discuss your dating and love life? Okay, so just a little, I guess, background as to why I never really have. When I first started creating content in 2014, that was when I had my fitness blog, The Balance Berry, and I was creating wellness and fitness content. I had a boyfriend at the time. I was in a serious relationship for pretty long term. I think we were together for like four years. I mean, it was a pretty long time. And at that time, social media and content were really different. So I was kind of a healthy food fitness blogger. And at that time, 
Instagram and social media and blogs, which is what I did at the time, was very much all about like, here is the recipe. Here is the workout. People didn't really care about who was behind accounts. And so me posting about my boyfriend at the time or the things that were going on with us didn't make sense because at that time, social media wasn't as personal for content creators. It was a little bit more transactional of like recipe, here's the smoothie, do this workout. And by the time that relationship ended, I think things had started to shift a little bit in social media and become a little bit more personal. But because I had never really shared much insight into that relationship before, when we broke up, it was actually kind of a relief to not have like thousands of people wondering, well, where'd so-and-so go? Or what's this? Or what's that? I don't think people realized that I had gone through a breakup because people didn't realize that I was even in a relationship to begin with because all I shared was smoothies and workouts. And when that happened, I actually felt such a sense of peace because I could process my breakup and do my own thing without feeling like I owed anyone an explanation in a public way. And so for me, I think that did plant a seed of just wanting to be more private about my love life and my relationships because it was so peaceful to be able to grieve the ending of that relationship quietly and silently and to have that be separated from my work. Now, since that relationship ended, social media has changed a lot. We tend to get very activated around relationship and dating content. And I don't fully understand why, but it has become a way that people get kind of cheap engagement to go viral because they know how activated we get. I will sometimes look at relationship content if it's from like a licensed therapist that's credible and they're sharing something that's constructive, but like all the back and forth that we have and people fighting about this and about that, just like, I just, it's boring. I don't want to consume it. I don't want to create it. Could I share about bad dates and complain about whatever? Sure. But like, what is that really doing for anybody? It's not doing anything for me. It's not doing anything for other people. I feel like it's just adding to noise and it's kind of cheap. And then the last thing I'll say, this is like a little bit more of my rebellious side also as to why I tend to keep that to myself is it really pisses me off that engagement content or that relationship content gets such higher engagement than anything else. Like I know if I were to go on Instagram and post a man right now, my engagement would go through the roof and it would get so much more popularity than the really thoughtful, helpful, supportive, nurturing content that I create. And that pisses me off. It also pisses me off that I've worked my ass off to create a platform and I could just post some man and it blow up. And I'm like, he hasn't done anything. He doesn't deserve airtime on this platform that I built. So he just gets to exist, but I got to tap dance for all this for some engagement. Oh no, I don't like it. It just, (laughs) and I'm probably hurting my own engagement on social media. I don't know, maybe, but it just, none of it sits well with me. So all of those reasons are why you're just probably not going to see a whole lot of relationship content from me ever But, you know, when I get married or something, I'll probably mention it. I'll probably pull in Issa Rae, pretend it was a photo shoot and then never speak on it again because that's just more my style. So, yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Next personal question. Can you talk more about best case scenario journaling? Absolutely. So it was maybe like a week or two now. I posted this reel on Instagram that actually has gotten great engagement. Thank you, friends, for that. About how I started implementing best case scenario journaling and the best case scenarios have started happening. So when I first got to New York, I started doing my morning pages again because I really wanted to kind of inspire my creativity. And morning pages is essentially when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is you start journaling. You're supposed to free write three pages, stream of consciousness about whatever you want. This is a tactic from The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And I struggle. Morning pages are so hard for me, but I've been really pushing myself to do them anyway. And one morning, not long after I got to New York, I was sitting and I was doing my morning pages and I just started writing about like my perfect day and the best case scenarios about everything that was going on in my life. Like the best case scenarios, I start recording the podcast again and it feels really good. Or I have this great day at work or I go to this amazing event and I'm describing in vivid detail what the best case scenario is for all of these different areas in my life. And I found that my morning pages were so much easier to write when I started looking at it that way, instead of like forcing myself to write this long drawn out content, it was easy for me to just free flow, best case scenario, writing it as if it's in present tense. And what I found was, although the exact things I described in my journal Those things weren't necessarily happening verbatim, but a lot of the ways that I wanted to feel in those best case scenarios were happening immediately where I wanted to feel connected and I wanted to feel social and I wanted to feel supported. And I would write about that in vivid detail, what that meant to feel that way or what it looked like to feel connected and supported and social in a day. And then I would find opportunities to feel connected, supported and social in that day. It didn't look exactly like what I said in the journal. It felt exactly how I wanted to feel. And so ever since then, my journal practice has been popping and I've been feeling really good about it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, create a reel and share this with other people so that they can start doing it too. And a lot of you have said that it's been helpful for you, but I've also seen a lot of people overthinking it of wanting to do it right and wanting super specific instructions. And friend, I don't have super specific instructions for you because your best case scenario or what it is that you want is uniquely yours. So for me, I like writing it in present tense as if it is currently happening, but there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just whatever's on your mind, whatever's on your heart, looking for the best case scenario. I do think it is along the lines of a manifestation technique that helps rewire your brain and can be really helpful for those of us who are a little bit more anxious. If you're always prepared for the worst, it could just be a really good exercise to help you tap into what can feel good. And so it's been really helpful for me to just be a little bit more positive, to look at the bright side a little bit more and to just be willing to invite in those good feelings. But I think there's no right or wrong way to do it and that you have nothing to lose by just writing it down and by just trying. So don't worry about being disappointed if it doesn't happen verbatim. Don't worry about doing it right. It's truly your mind, your heart, your journal is it's between just you and you. So 
it's okay to do whatever it is that's on your heart. But yes, best case scenario journaling is what I have been calling it. So just describing what you want the best case scenario to look like in various areas of your life. And then the last personal question, this is actually our last question of the episode. Have you decided where to settle? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. And I'm so, I'm stressed. I'm stressed about it. I actually do feel a lot of stress and anxiety about where I actually want to live. And I almost feel more uneasy about it now than I did before I was moving. I mean, I think for me, it comes down to a few cities, either Seattle to be close to friends and family there, LA, because I've already had a life here and for work and the podcast, it would be easiest and most fruitful or New York because again, opportunities there are also fruitful and would still be good for working with brands and podcasting. And I do just really like how communal and dynamic it is. So those are the three places I would live, but I can also make some really compelling arguments as to why to not live in any of those places. (laughs) LA, I left LA to go on this big adventure for a reason because while I did have a life here there were also things about living in LA that were really hard and I think being single in LA especially as a black woman is really hard and I think if I want to stay single for forever then LA would be the place to go but I don't and I think that the isolation that comes with living in LA I did it for four years and I don't know if I can handle being as isolated again. So if I were to move back to LA full time, I think I would need to do it differently and figure out some ways to feel less isolated. But I I do feel like I don't personally really have anything to come back to in LA. And so that's what scares me about moving back here. Seattle is like, it's home. I can always go back there. That's where my family is. That's where my friends are. However, I think from a work standpoint, it would be really hard because there's not a lot of opportunities there for the content I want to create, for the connections I need to have for the podcast. It, it wouldn't necessarily be the best from a mental health or work standpoint, but is somewhere that I know I could always land. I would also say it would probably be hard from like a boundaries standpoint, but you know, living in your hometown is like, I I always understand why people do it because it just, it can be easy to do. And then New York, I think is really cool. I've only spent a few weeks there. I am enjoying it, but I feel like, you know, it's easy to have rose colored glasses after just a few weeks. It's also really expensive. Although all three of those cities are really expensive. Honestly, I've given up on affordable cost of living. I've just, I'm just not, I'm just not an affordable cost of living girly. I'm just, I'm, I'm, have accepted that I'm probably never going to live anywhere affordable from a city's standpoint. That's where our money manifestation is because <laughs> I've just accepted that about myself. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really hoping that the right decision reveals itself to me because I'm going to have to make some decisions pretty soon and I feel a little anxious about it and I don't know what decision to make. So I'm just hoping that it all works out. But I really want to focus on living somewhere that feels really fruitful, both personally and professionally, where I feel seen, heard, understood and just have room to grow. And I don't know where that is. Probably either New York or L.A. would be my best bet. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm hoping that the right decision reveals itself. <laughs> but we'll see. It's hard. <laughs> 
Okay, friends, thank you so much for your amazing questions, for listening to this reflection about solo travel and how it's been and what I've learned. And I'm so excited to be back with you. We're back to new episodes every Tuesday. I'm so happy to have you here. Excited to be bringing back some interviews soon. And I will see you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.